So I had known him for seven years. We know went on several mission trips together. We had one on uh, several trips together. We were part of a campus ministry called Crew in college. There would be times late at night where I would be up and he would be up. And I would text him, hey man, like what are you up to? Like I can't go to bed. Are you up? He's like, yeah, I'm up. What are you up to? I'm just, you know, hanging out. Can't really go to bed. You want to get food? Go get food. And so we would do a lot of different things together. Talk about life. Talk about relationships. Talk about school. Talk about what the Lord's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And talk about deep things. But there's a situation, a conflict last year in the summer where we just disagreed over something. And there were some words said on his end that really affected me, that really hurt me. And a couple weeks ago, I went to a restaurant with some friends. And those friends had known about uh, that old friend that I had. And he said, hey, how are you and so-so doing? Because they were just checking in. And I said, oh, we're doing all right. We've, you know, haven't talked ever since that falling out. And, like, I've forgiven him. I don't know. And deep down, I actually have forgiven him to the Lord. And I actually have said I have forgiven him. But deep down in my heart, I truly haven't gone out of my way to forgive him because I haven't talked to him since the falling out. And so our passage today is going to be looking at a conversation that Jesus has with his disciples, a conversation that centers around a question that Peter asks Jesus. How many times should I forgive my brother? In a powerful response that Jesus gives to him and the disciples. And so our passage this morning our message this morning is going to be focusing on this one main idea, this one main idea. It says, when we understand, right, first part, when we understand God's mercy, then we are able to forgive others. I mean, this command isn't easy. It's something that I'm still in the process of figuring out in the process I want to move towards, towards. But it's something that God calls all of us to do. And so in Matthew 18, that's where we're going to be looking at. So if you guys have your Bibles or if you guys have your devices, uh, turn to Matthew 18. We're going to be looking at 21 through 35 this morning. Verse 21, it says, Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will, I, will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him and owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. 
But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to the master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servants as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debts. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. Let me pray. Father, we stand in awe of your presence. I pray that you would speak through me and allow the meditation of my heart and the words of my mouth be acceptable before you, Lord. I pray for the hearts and the ears of those listening right now, that you would use these words to permeate to their core, and that the Spirit would align their hearts onto you, oh God. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy, Lord. And so we pray for this time, God. In your name we pray. Amen. And so we're going to have um, four points this morning, keeping in mind the main idea, the big idea. When we understand God's mercy, is then we are able to forgive others. And so let's work through this text and let's see what Jesus is saying and see how Jesus responds to Peter's question. And so let's look at the first two verses, verse 21 and verse 22. So then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother um, sin against me and how many times should I forgive him? As many as seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. And so Peter, the spokesman for the person, right? A lot of times we see Peter, the one who comes up and asks Jesus these questions and says a lot of nonsense sometimes, right? But this is Peter again. Peter is bringing this question to him about how many times him and the disciples and believers should forgive someone. And so I want to shed some light really quickly on the previous section on 15 to 20. And so in 15 to 20, 18, 15 to 20, I mean. So in Matthew 18, 15 to 20, literally the verses before, Jesus is giving instruction for the one with the offense. And he transitions purposefully to the one we're looking at right now, the one that is sinned against. And so Peter brings this question up in verse 21, already having that understanding of Jesus' commandments for those who have caused personal hurt. How many times must I forgive someone? Well, seven times? But what Peter is really asking is, how many times must I put up with my brother or sister? Right? That's what he's really asking. And so Jesus responds 77 times. And so this number isn't, you know, supposed to be some calculation or something like that. Jesus is using this as uh, figurative language. And so the amount is based on infinite forgiveness. No number can determine the amount of times Jesus is commanding his disciples to forgive. He's saying, Peter, I want you to forgive unlimited amount of times because I have forgiven you 
unlimited amount of times. And I continue to forgive you. And so our first point this morning is we should have unlimited forgiveness. And Jesus commands us to. He tells us to. He calls us to have unlimited amount of forgiveness for others. And that must have been really difficult for the disciples to hear. And if you're listening right now, it's probably really difficult to hear that as well. Okay, that's great and all. That's a good thing, Julian. You know, I understand that. You know, 77 times means infinite. I get that. But how? How do I do that? I want to do that. I'm tracking. But how do I do that? And I think Jesus describes the how. I think he tells us how as we look through this passage, as we work through this text. So let's look at the how. Verse 23. It says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. And so before we get to the how really quickly, um, the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is described as God's reign, his authority. And so we get to experience this now and fully when Jesus returns and makes things right as they were once right. Remember? In the garden. They were once perfect in the garden. So yes, God's kingdom is reigning on earth now, but it'll fully come to fruition when Jesus makes things right. And so as we have that in mind, Jesus is trying to teach his disciples kingdom values. What the kingdom of God is like, that is, that is what he's trying to communicate to them. And he uses parables, and he'll use a parable in a second to convey the message of what the kingdom of God is like. And so there's three parts. There's three scenes in our um, text today in this parable. So let's look at the first scene in verses 24 through 27. So Jesus continues with this, with this parable. He says, When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees imploring him, saying, have mercy, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And so Jesus, he answers the how. And so our, our second point this morning is that we need to have a heart of mercy, to be able to forgive others. Unless we have a heart of mercy, it'll be really difficult, incredibly hard to forgive others. So we have to be asking ourselves, do I have a heart of mercy? Right? All of us need to be asking ourselves, do I have a heart of mercy? Would I forgive someone like that? Would I, would I, am I like the king who's able to forgive someone like this? Obviously, by our own strength, no. But by God's mercy and the strength that he gives us, yes. It'll be hard, but yes. And so mercy is seen in this. Mercy is displayed in this with the wicked servant who deserved punishment, who deserved to be sold off himself, his wife, his children, his belongings. He deserved that. 
But the king stepped in and said, you know what? I forgive you. That's mercy. And so we're going to be looking at a couple numbers right now. All those math majors out there, math uh, teachers, this part is definitely for you. Um, And so a talent was the largest amount of money during this time. And so one talent was worth around six denarii, which was another unit of money. And one denarius was a day's wage for a laborer. And so if you do this math up that the king is described of him, the servant, owing him, he, the servant, owed him 193,000 years of labor in order to make up this money. That's a lot, right? That's, that's, that's a lot of time. No retirement. No having time with your grandchildren and great-great-great-grandchildren. 193,000 years. Again, Jesus is exaggerating here. The point he's making is to show the level of degree to which the king, who is God, right, has shown mercy and forgiven the servants. This displays God's heart of forgiveness and mercy. Not a small amount, not a big amount, but a crazy, enormous amount that was obviously impossible to complete. 193,000 years of labor. So we need to look to God to give us fresh hearts of mercy each day. And so that's the first scene. There's two more scenes. And so the second scene picks up in 28 through 30. Let's look at that. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. He refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. So the second scene is significantly way more different from the first one. First one involved the king and wicked servant. The second scene involved the wicked servant and a fellow servant. This fellow servant owed him three months wages of labor. And if you remember from the first scene, that wicked servant owed the king 193,000 years of labor. That's a big difference. And so this scene is showing us the contrast. The, like, from the bottom to the Willis Tower to the there's no calculation, but the contrast and the difference between what was owed with the first servant and what was owed with the second servant, 193,000 years compared to three months' wages of labor. That is significant. And so the king forgave this amount, and that same servant couldn't forgive this little amount. And so the, the the fellow servant was in the wrong. This isn't necessarily about if he's right or wrong, justice-wise. That's not the issue, necessarily. He was in the fault. 
to be owed him. But the issue is with the wicked servant's heart, a heart of hypocrisy. That's what the main issue is at hand. And so let's continue reading in the last final scene. 31 through 34. So when his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed. And they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. And so our third point this morning is that we must fear the Lord. I know we have the fourth one, a little slide air on my end, but um, we must fear the Lord. We'll get to the third one in a second. And so without fearing the Lord, we lose the urgency. We lose the importance, the significance to forgive. And so with a proper, a healthy fear of the Lord, we'll be able to forgive others. We'll be encouraged more to forgive others. And so there isn't a clear explanation with why the other servants kind of snitched on the wicked servant. We don't know exactly, but it's likely because they were bothered by the lack of mercy that the wicked servants had on the fellow servants. And that word jailers, that Greek word for jailers is torturers. And so instead of being sold with his wife, sold with himself, with his children, with his belongings, the punishment became severely worse. And he was to be tortured. So we see the first punishment, and we see the second punishment. And again, the contrast. And so we must fear the Lord. We must have a proper reverence for the Lord, not of shame, not of being scared in an unhealthy sense, but a healthy fear of who he is. And then Jesus wraps this up in the last verse. He finishes the parable and he ends with verse 35. He says, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. And so our final point is that we know that forgiveness is rooted in mercy. Where there is mercy, forgiveness follows. It is by the mercy of God that you and I are able to forgive people in small ways and in big ways. And so Jesus is using this parable to stress the necessity of forgiveness to our brothers and sisters. Not a choice, not a, well, if I get to it, or, well, I mean, they're overseas, I guess I could call them, but they're working late. We come up with so many different excuses, and I acknowledge that. I, I acknowledge there's probably an excuse, but if you're being honest, there's pain underneath that, and there's hurt underneath that, and you're just masking that and coming up with an excuse. All of us here have experienced pain and hurt. But 
just as Jesus said, God will not forgive those who are not willing to forgive others. It's not just verbal forgiveness, but it is an act of the heart that is verbal, yes, but also is moved through action. And God knows each one of our hearts, and God knows each one of your hearts, and if you've actually forgiven the person that has hurt you. And so Jesus isn't necessarily saying, okay, that person who owes you this much money, they don't owe you anymore. Or that person who's caused you to lose your job, you don't have to bring that up to your boss, just forgive them. Or that person who's hurt your kid, you don't need to bring that to the authority. Jesus isn't saying that. There might be divine cases that could happen, right? But one thing that is for sure is that forgiveness unto others is unlimited. Unlimited amount of times in our hearts. And it's hard, right? Just as I've shared, this is something I'm navigating, I'm walking through. I've acknowledged it to the Lord. I've said, God, I forgive my friend. I've told my friends, hey, guys, I forgive. But I haven't spoken to him. And that's something I'm wanting to do, to actually forgive him. And each one of you have been hurt, right? Each one of you have been hurt. If we just stop this message, we just had a microphone right here. I'm sure many of you can come up and speak about the hurt. Obviously, it would be hard and things like that because um, there's a lot of people here. But my point is, is each one of us has been hurt. Whether it's your significant other who's been hurt, that hurts you. Or it's been you personally that's been hurt. All of us have experienced some trauma, some hurt. And so my encouragement to you is to not wait till they seek you out and reconcile with you. That's good, right? Praise God for that. But my encouragement to you is to bring that to their attention and to tell them, I forgive you. It might not be in a coffee shop, one-on-one, right? I'll be honest, sometimes I'm not super comfortable with that, so I really have to force myself to do that. Sometimes I'm, so sometimes it is necessary to do that. Some, it might be a FaceTime. It might be a phone call. It might be an email, right? I don't want us to overdo this and be like, okay, I need to be face-to-face with them, sit down, coffee, cookies. You know, that's great, right? But do what's best for you. Do what the Lord is really wanting you to do. What's the best and most wise thing to do? If it's that, praise God. If it's a phone call, praise God. A text message, whatever it might be. But the point is, is to say, I forgive you for what had happened. And to not minimize, right? Because sometimes we minimize pain. Sometimes we minimize hurt. Well, they hurt me, but it wasn't like that person who got hurt, right? Well, they hurt me, but that was a long time ago, and I don't really need to bring this up. Again, use wisdom in that. Think about what the Lord is telling you to say and how to say it. I think some of us have been hurt here at church. Whether it's been Fox Valley, whether it's been in the past. Maybe it's been life group. Or in student ministries. Or at some event. And now you don't want to go to church anymore. Or maybe you don't want to go to life group anymore. Or maybe you don't want to go to that event anymore or talk to that person anymore. And God sees that and I see that. there's still hurt. 
When I think and I meditate on a passage like this, I just can't help to see God's mercy. I just can't help to see his goodness, his love that he lavished upon the wicked servants. But at the same time, I can't help but see the fear of the Lord, to have reverence for the Lord. And we're only able to do this by the blood and the death that Jesus has shed for us. We're only able to actually have mercy onto others because we've been given mercy. We have been given forgiveness. And so we're called to forgive others. And so we live in a culture that does this. If you hurt me, well, you have to give me a reason to forgive you, right? That's what our culture says. Our culture says, you hurt me, so, okay, you give me a couple reasons to forgive you. I guess I'll try to navigate, and you don't really forgive them, right? Our culture looks at this way differently. But Jesus says different. He says there's new rules. There's new protocols. There's a new way of life when you're part of the family. And so if we call ourselves believers, if we have entered into God's family, if we've experienced his mercy, lavished in his mercy, bathed in his mercy, then we must live this out horizontally with other people, with other brothers, with other sisters, and not do as the wicked servants did, which was receive God's mercy, clearly not be moved by it, right? Which led him to not give it out. A wicked servant with a hardened heart and full of hypocrisy. And so this is what Jesus is warning against. He's warning us of becoming full of hatred and a heart that is full of, of this. A heart that is hardened like many of the religious leaders during his time. And so as we wrap up, remember that when we understand God's mercy, right, the big idea, the main idea, when we understand God's mercy, then are we able to forgive others. And without his mercy, without bathing in it, and knowing it, and experiencing it, it becomes really hard to forgive others. It becomes almost impossible to forgive other people, because you start thinking about how they have wronged you. You start thinking about the pain, and the trauma, and the hurt that you felt. But I want us to live as believers who have experienced this and give it to others. A good understanding of God's mercy, his love, and his goodness to be able to display that and give that to other people. And after the conversation that you might have with that person, you might not be close to them again, right? You may not be buddy-buddy, and that's not what the Lord is commanding us to do is to be buddy buddy with them praise god for that but what the lord is wanting us to do is to reconcile with them is to forgive them that's what he wants us to do you might be close to them you might come a full circle and actually you might have a better relationship than what you had in the past and maybe you don't maybe you just have a one-time conversation and you check in periodically and it's just not the same that uncle or that brother or that friend, that coworker, you see him at work, say hi. If it's not the same as it was, it's sad, but 
the Lord calls us to forgive others. He calls us to do that. And so as we have a proper understanding of God's mercy, as we see the bigger picture of what he's calling us to do, of why we need to forgive others, and the importance of being reconciled with others, then we are able to do that. Yes, it is hard, right? All of us would be lying and saying it isn't hard to do something like that. But he calls us to do it. So let me pray for us. Lord, we are thankful. We are so thankful for displaying your mercy onto us, God, for displaying the forgiveness that you've given to us. I ask that you would help us be a church that lives this mercy out onto others, Lord. And if someone hasn't experienced his mercy yet, I pray that they would come to believe in you, Father. I pray that we would be a church that knows we have been wronged, and knows we have been hurt, but moves towards reconciliation, moves towards forgiveness, and having a conversation with that friend, and brother, whoever that might be, Father. I thank you, and we love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.